Welcome, everybody. It's uh, good to see you. When I was a, a student at James Madison University, I had a number of jobs, and uh, I went to, to school after my time in the Army, and Jody and I were married, and we both just, just worked really hard to, to make ends meet. And I had a number of jobs, and one of them happened to be uh, this job as an overnight clerk at uh, a Hampton Inn in Harrisonburg there. And uh, two days a week, I would work from 11 p.m. Uh, to 7 a.m. It was a decent job, easy, you know, two nights, make 16 hours and, and money and all that kind of stuff, because I had some other jobs too. But there was only one challenge with this job. It was an eight-hour shift, and I had about six hours in me from 11 to 7. I, I didn't quite have eight hours worth of energy. And uh, at about two or three in the morning, I would uh, make my way to the back room, finish up the paperwork and everything, you know, the front desk is out there, and and lo and behold, it just happened to be there was a, a pillow up in the uh, closet there, and I would drag that pillow down, I would put it on the table, and I would just, just close my eyes for a minute. I figured the employment people at the government would definitely want me to take a break, um, and it never failed. It never failed. I never woke up on my own. <laughs> it was always a late traveler coming in saying, you know, hello, 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 and I would wake up, you know, drool on the pillow and everything, wrinkle pillow wrinkles on my face, and, and I'd go out and check them in and, and make sure they were okay. I didn't last in that job very long at all. Uh, I, I didn't get fired, but I knew that that job just wasn't for me. I couldn't stay awake uh, from 11 p.m. Uh, to 7 a.m. at the Hampton Inn, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Well, this morning, we continue our series, Nativity Stories, and we're taking a look at some guys who were working the night shift, shepherds tending their flock out in the fields by night. And indeed, they were startled by some overnight guests that first Christmas. Now, uh, typically in the flow of the Christmas season, the shepherds sort of start to kind of ease their way into the story around Christmas Eve or, or maybe next Sunday. But uh, uh, this week, we sort of uh, jumbled our schedule up a little bit. Pastor Brian, next week, will be sharing it with us about uh, the young dad at Christmas, Joseph. I can't wait uh, to hear that, especially from uh, the perspective of uh, a young father. That's going to be really cool. But today, we're going to uh, mix the story around. I know you'll be able to kind of put it all back together uh, on Christmas Eve, because you probably know quite a bit about the story. We can learn a lot about the nativity story. We can learn a lot about faith through the nativity story of these shepherds. And so let me invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Just turn your Bible or launch your Bible there if you're, if you're using one on a smartphone. And let me just set the stage. You know how the story begins. Luke 2 opens with Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem to participate in the census. Bethlehem was the ancestral home of Joseph. He took Mary with him, and that's where they had to go uh, for uh, the census. Joseph uh, and Mary were there. They both knew by that time, at least, they had heard in the dream that they were going to have uh, a baby and it was going to be God's son. And the time came for Jesus to be born. And since they couldn't find a guest room, he was born in basically, essentially a stable. And he was placed in, in, in a manger. And a manger is essentially a feeding trough, a feeding trough where animals would come and uh, eat their food. And this is where we pick up our story of the shepherds on the night shift. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want us to notice something about this text before we sort of get in and root around it just a little bit. Including once in verses 1 through 7 that I just summarized for us, we are told three times Luke tells us three times that Jesus was lying in a manger. We are told that Mary placed Jesus in a manger. And then we are told that that the angel told the shepherds, that's how you can know this is the baby I'm telling you about. He's going to be lying in a manger. And then Luke wraps it up again at the end of the story and says, you know, and they went and they found him where? Lying in a manger. The manger was intended by God to confirm the shepherds that what God said was true. You know, last week our our message was about, you know, God's word will never fail. Well, this is how God is proving his word. He's going to be in a manger. They went and they saw him. Now, here's what's fascinating about uh, a manger. N.T. Wright wrote about this. And he, he compared it to whenever you, if you have a dog, and I'm a dog lover, you guys know that, most of you do. If you have a dog, you'll notice something. Do the experiment when you get home. If you try to take your finger and let's say point your dog to look at that Christmas tree, your dog will not look at that Christmas tree. Your dog will look at the finger. The dog always looks at the signpost, but not necessarily that to which the, the finger the signpost is pointing. And if we're not careful, we can be the same way at Christmas, right? Mangers are, are, are wonderful. They're a wonderful uh, feature in all the nativity sets that are uh, around this room. The decorations and the lights and the gifts, they're all absolutely wonderful. But if we are not careful, as we consider Christmas this year, 2021, if we're not careful when we think about our nativity story, we can get caught, all caught up in looking at the sign and not that to whom or the person to whom the sign is pointing, Jesus. And so we want to make sure as we take a look at at this story today of the shepherds and as we take a look at the story of Joseph next week, that we make sure above all things that we are seeing and experiencing and celebrating Jesus. Jesus. Now, one of the ways to study the Bible that I think is fascinating is to take the Bible and consider that, that as you read a text, to consider, okay, this is what God has just done. 
And this is how God has just done this. And then draw a contrast. If it was up to us, if we were acting in this situation, how would we typically act? And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at the story of the shepherds and just draw a contrast just a bit as we learn more and more and more about Jesus, the Jesus that the shepherds went to see lying in a manger. So when we consider the story of the shepherds, one of the things we have to see right away is that God chooses to work with the lowly instead of the lofty. God works with the lowly instead of the lofty. I mean, just look at this manger. Now, this manger right here is actually quite clean. You know, it's, it's wood and it's hay, and I don't think we've let any animals in here lately to feed out of it. But the manger that Jesus was placed in was a, a feeding trough. Now, we don't know exactly if or what kind of animals were actually present when Jesus was born, which ones, maybe a sheep, maybe a camel, maybe a cow, who knows? But what we can definitely know is that when those animals started slobbering their animal slobber on the feeding trough, it wasn't the cleanest place to put a baby. But that's what they had. And that's all they have. God works through the lowly, not the lofty. Now contrast this with how we would be tempted to design a first baby crib or a first baby bassinet for any old baby, much less the Son of God. We would trick this bassinet out. It would have bling and it would have things all over it. Jody and I watched an old uh, episode of Shark Tank the, uh, the other day. Uh, I don't know, maybe the Shark Tank episode was five or six years old. And there was this lady on there pitching this, this changing table. Now, what happens on a changing table? Babies get changed, and they get changed for a reason. It is a messy time. And this changing table was not just a changing table. This changing table was a scale, and it was connected to an app. And this app would get this, weigh the baby, so that you could know how much formula the baby just had. And I'm thinking, just look at the baby. Five years ago, that tricked out changing table cost $299. Probably $399 now, who knows? That's what we do. We can't help ourselves. As humankind, there's just something about the human condition that always assigns value to the extras. And dare I say, these extras often distract us from the reality of what God is trying to tell us. Daryl Bach wrote, the most humble birth for the most exalted figure ever born shows that the key values in life are found in the life itself, not in the extras. This contrast reminds me that Jesus is enough. We would add all the extras we would add all the shiny objects, all the lights, and all the decorations. But when it gets down to your life and my life, 
Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. The angel told the shepherds, they were the first to hear it, I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. Messiah, Christ, the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. Stay with me here. Jesus is not part of the good news. Jesus is not part of the good news. And then there's some added things that need to come into your life to make it real for salvation. This baby born in the feeding trough is enough for good news. He is the good news. Hard stop, period. Nothing else. And just like we like to add blings and things to bassinets and cribs and everything else in our life, get this, this mindset slips into our mindset of salvation and we start adding to what it means to really be saved. We like to add extras to the gospel. Hey, you can be saved if you have faith in God and you join our church. Or you can be saved if you have faith in Jesus and and, and you get baptized the way we baptize. Or you can be saved if you just have faith in Jesus and you've never made a mess of your life before or if you never make a mess of your life again. You can be saved if you have faith in Jesus and you just vote the right way, you think the right way, you have the right friends, you have the right mindset. You can be saved if you have Jesus and you have these things. I'm going to tell you, my friends, that the manger is about Jesus and nothing else. Period. Salvation is Jesus plus nothing. And when you start trying to add to the gospel, you lose the gospel. You lose the grace that saturates the gospel. It doesn't need lofty rhetoric. It doesn't need human extras. It doesn't need our bling and things. It just needs Jesus. When we think about the story of the shepherds, we also see that God works through shepherds, not celebrities right? Shepherds, not celebrities. One of the most endearing aspects of the birth story of Jesus is that he was first announced by angels to shepherds. Angels are the most mysterious and exalted beings in Scripture. They represent messengers, news reporters. They're the news reporters of heaven, and they're not about fake news, right? They're news reporters of what's happening in heaven and what God wants us to know. And these incredible celestial beings bring this revolutionary, life-changing, planet-altering news to shepherds on the night shift. And I'll bet one of them had found a pillow and was laying down on the table with drool. I guarantee you. Or maybe I'm just reading myself into the story. There's mixed opinion about how shepherds were viewed during this time. On one hand, shepherds were viewed very positively in the Bible. David was a young shepherd boy who was summoned out of the field to to be anointed as king, just as these shepherds were summoned out of the field to go and worship the king. Jesus, one of his great identities is that of 
the shepherd. Jesus is our great shepherd. On the other hand, Jews kind of around this time, can't pinpoint it exactly, but kind of around this time of the birth of Jesus, started to have a negative view and a negative opinion of shepherds. They were more than likely uneducated, rugged, ceremonially unclean since they worked with animals all the time. They didn't want shepherds working with animals going up in the temples and things like this. Either view. They were hardworking, more than likely uneducated, everyday, ordinary farmhands. They were not the powerful, connected, wealthy, celebrity, famous elite. This is the exact opposite of how we would announce the birth. If we were in charge of the Jesus PR birth campaign, we would huddle ourselves around a committee table for a year and we would just throw everything at it. We would brainstorm. We would think about it. We would say, okay, who knows a politician? Who knows a politician? Who knows a politician that will endorse Jesus, the king being born? Or we would find the, the, the latest, wealthiest people in business and say, hey, will you put some credibility behind this? Or we'd go get Juan Soto of the Nats or Max Scherzer or somebody else, you know, former Nat, never mentioned his name again in the room. And, and, and we would get them to endorse the birth of Jesus. Or, oh, and social media, oh, we would tweet it, we would like it, we would push it, we would click it, we would Instagram. We'd do all that stuff for a social media campaign. We would not go to the ranch 70 miles away and say, hey, farmhands, here's the message, go get it out. I tried to think in our context here in Old Town, what's the closest we would have to like shepherds? And it might be those wonderful, brave, courageous, in my view, driving around here, men and women in the, in the bright yellow vest working the road crews, construction on the roads and schools and homes and businesses. We wouldn't give the message of the Son of God being born to the road crew out there. We just wouldn't do it. But God would. God would. He works through shepherds, not celebrities. He didn't go to the Roman political elite. He didn't go to the religious leaders in the lofty towers of the temple. He didn't go to true business leaders. He went to shepherds. Now why? Seems he knew they could handle the message, although they were afraid like everybody else when they first heard it. He seems to know that they would be open and then obedient to doing what the angel told them to do. You know, go and see. You know why go and see baby in a manger? Don't you think it confirmed for Mary and Joseph what was going on too? Didn't it help just add a little more confidence to their faith? God sent the message to the shepherds so that we would make sure that this baby, this Savior, is for everybody. For everybody. What does this mean for our faith journey this morning? 
It means that you don't have to be wealthy, powerful, connected, famous to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's for you. He's for everybody. The angel said, good news for great joy for all the people. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is, your past, or your position in life. Jesus is good news for you. Jesus is good news when your life is going well. Jesus is good news when your life is not. And if you don't have your life all together, and if you don't have your life buttoned down, you need to know that this is good news for you. Because the good news comes to you when your life is a wreck. And if it doesn't come to you when your life is a wreck, it's not really good news, is it? God loves you just the way you are. And he loves you too much to leave you how he finds you. It's good news. Shepherds, not celebrities. One more contrast. When we think about the baby in the manger, this, is, this is, blows my mind. We see a contrast between the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdoms of earth. This entire scene with angels and heavenly choir and shepherds, it had to have been just spectacular. While Jesus' birth was incredibly humble by earthly measures, it was supernaturally spectacular from heaven's point of view. The manger the shepherds were given as a sign may have been humble, but make no mistake, heaven was in that manger. Heaven was there. And let's just picture this surreal image for a moment. Jesus the baby lying in a lowly, humble manger. Jesus the baby vulnerable to cold, vulnerable to hunger, vulnerable to pain. This baby would grow up to be a warrior king. Not a king like the ones that reign over all the kings and governments that have reigned with earthly power. Those kingdoms drenched in earthly power either have or one day will be no more. They will not stand the test of eternity. But this baby would grow up to be a warrior king who would go head to head and toe to toe with evil. He would grow up and he would do battle with the forces of evil and hatred and hypocrisy and sin and death and injustice. And he wouldn't do it with swords and guns and bombs and everything else. His reign would be with truth and love and grace. And for a moment, just for a moment, it looked like the mighty, powerful Roman government in alignment with the religious bureaucrats, it looked like for a moment they killed him. It looked like for a moment these little earthly kingdoms won the day. But this baby turned warrior king, did battle with the cosmic forces of sin and death and evil, and he beat them. He beat them. He conquered them on the cross and through the power of God that raised him from the dead. And he is at work today 
through his church in the world, and he continues to stand against and do battle with evil and injustice and sin and death. He continues to move forward. He continues to march forward. He continues to advance his kingdom while many others throughout history have absolutely crumbled. And his kingdom will stand and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The warrior king in the manger. And he will reign. Somebody wrote forever and ever. King of kings. Lord of lords. And just as the shepherds left the manger that first Christmas, praising God and telling others, the vision that God has for your life is to join his mission, to be a part of his family, to join his mission, to live your life as a praise of adoration to God and to tell others about this king. And to tell others about the love of this king. The shepherds found him lying in a manger just as the angel told them. They found him. He was there. Have you found him? Have you looked for him? Maybe you've never responded to God's invitation to you to draw close to his side. Maybe you've never responded to it. Look and see for yourself. Why don't you look and see for yourself today? Draw close to the side of Jesus. Open your heart to him. Maybe you found him in your past, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. Come back to the manger. Come back. Come back and worship him. This Jesus born in a lowly manger is enough for you. This Jesus visited by shepherds, everyday ordinary shepherds, he's for you. This Jesus announced by angels is at work changing lives forever. Let him change your life today. And we'll join the angels singing, joy to the world, Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let heaven, the angels, and nature, the shepherds, sing. Amen? Amen. Brian, come lead us in our last song.